Are you the kind of gal who's not interested in how things used to be in the hair industry? Who wants to hear from ladies that are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayuga, and join me as I interview and learn and get curious about other hairstylists I believe are living life on their own terms, defining what success means for them and living lives in alignment with that. Let's dive in. All right, guys, I'm super excited. Today we have Michelle Cook back. She's a beauty CPA, and you might know her on Instagram as Small Business CPA. I'm just really excited to talk to her because so many of us have businesses that we want to take in a more you know, profitable direction this year. And I know that a big part of the roadmap and understanding how to do that is what Michelle does. So Michelle, thank you for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for our conversation today. Yeah, no, and I'm so excited just to like to have the timing of the new year and so many hairstylists just like the last two years have just kind of just been surviving for a lot of people. And I know I'm sure you work with people that have um, taken the last two years and really created a thriving business. That's not to say that it's not possible, but I know there's just been so much change and so many, uh, so, so many expenses we didn't know we were going to have. And, you know, a lot of us had, you know, some people three months off, some people longer than that. Someone had no time off. So I, I just am so excited to just tap into your knowledge today around how stylists can best be setting themselves up for success this year. Oh yeah. There's, there's so much good stuff to cover. Yeah, no. And when we were talking before the episode, I was saying, you know, you talk to stylists and people are saying like, okay, once I ran some of these numbers in your course, or now that I'm looking at this, I'm, I, I'm not making really any money. And I just would love for you to speak to, I know we talked a little bit about how it could be an overhead pro, um, problem you have, or it could be a marketing problem. I would just love for you to speak to the you know, your experience with how, you know, initially these numbers can knock you on your ass, but how, what can come out of this and how you've helped other people? Yeah, it's, I think it can be a really scary thing, first of all, to even take the deep breath to look at the numbers in the first place, because you don't know what you're going to find. And it can be like, oh my gosh, I felt like I was so busy. And now I can tell because I've made a lot of great money and that's why I'm so tired. Or you might feel that exact same exhaustion and look at your numbers and go, why? Where? What did I get out of this? Because I feel like I just put my whole mind, body, soul into this endeavor. And there's not really a lot to show after everything is said and done. And that's why doing the numbers is important though, because is it a marketing problem? Are your sales too low? Is it, like you said, an overhead problem? Are you spending too much? Is it a, you know, you're not booked tight enough problem? You know, there could be different root causes of why that bottom line number is not where you want it to be, but you'll never know exactly why, unless you get the numbers together in the first place. Yeah. And what you were saying, I, I was just thinking back to like when I went independent for the first four years, I've been independent for eight now. Um, I was what you were describing. I was busy. I was laying it all out in the line. I was good money was coming in. And I luckily had a setup with a business partner that allowed my overhead to be extremely low. 
Um, but had I had someone do like a forensic analysis of it, I think what, what would have come out of that sooner would have been you're operating in a way that is unsustainable and you, you, you're making a lot of money, but you're, you're also double booked. So you're actually making half the amount of money on each person that you think you're making. And, um, I'm just like in real time having this talk with myself because I just, I'm like, it's, it was, it's shocking to me. Like, I wish I would have had someone looking at it and going, all right, this is, this is going to work four years tops, but then it's going to be something that you're either leaving the industry or, um, you know, you've, you're so burned out that you don't even enjoy it anymore. And I think like, if some people are there, like, it's kind of just cool to know, like, um, yeah, like, like, I didn't even think about how like, wait, I'm, I'm charging $79 a touch up. And that seems like a lot, you know, per hour, but it's an hour and a half. And it's two people. And I think sometimes we play these like mind games to be like, no, 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 but I'm seeing two people. So I'm making double that. And but yeah, so like, when you've helped stylists, like when you look at someone's numbers, and like, let's say you've got someone who has my setup of eight years ago, what do you what do you recommend that they do to like start getting on a more sustainable path? I think the very first thing in terms of getting on that sustainable path is getting your bookkeeping done. And I know it's the least sexy answer that nobody wants to hear. And yet if you don't have the information in front of you, you're just shooting blind. Like where is the problem? I'm not really sure. So how do you, how do you move forward? Well, first you have to identify the problem and you're never going to identify the problem if you don't know the numbers behind everything. Um, kind of going back to um, considering like double booking and, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm charging what feels like to me to be a lot of money. Uh, but at the same time, just because it feels like a lot of money to you doesn't necessarily mean that it's enough to cover your needs or the expenses that come along with the beauty industry. And I think sometimes we kind of bring our own money stories into how we price services. And instead of kind of putting those to the side and just saying, these are my costs, this is how much profit I'm shooting for, you know, this is how much time I'm spending. This is the extra value and experience and education that I've bought that I, all these things I need to take into consideration in the price. And we just kind of get sticker shock looking at that number. And then we back off that number. We go, Oh, well, Oh, I can, I could never charge a hundred dollars for a haircut. That would be way too much. But at the end of the day, it's like, but if it's going to take you an hour to do that and you're going to charge a hundred dollars an hour on another thing, then why not for that haircut? Why not? Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, like, it really is an equation less about like, like there's like the nuances of like your experience, the, the, the experience that you provide the level of just, you know, luxury involved, all of that. But like, at the end of the day, it's almost like so much simpler than I think, like you were saying, like, like if it's an equation and we reverse engineer it and we actually figure out how much we need to be making, because, you know, like when you get a job, you know, in the corporate world, they tell you what you're going to make. Whereas in this industry, I think so many of us, like you said, we bring our money stories and we never reverse engineer it. And then, like you said, like a lot of money's coming in, especially if you're independent because you're seeing it all. Um, 
but it's actually quite simple because like, and I feel like, you know, we were talking about before, like when you understand the numbers and you understand how much it's costing you to be in business, it actually empowers you to be like, I can't afford not to charge a hundred dollars because like I would be better off. Like for some people have to really weigh this. I might be better off doing something else that's not as exhausting. And like, there's so many, and I had someone tell me this recently, like a client, they were like, there's so many things that you could do that'd be easier than this. And it's like, yeah, but I love what I'm doing. And I've set it up in a way that allows me to do it in a way that I feel like honors me. And I think sometimes we forget like as hairstylists, like, wait, it's like that simple. But it is. And that's what's so cool about it. And when I think about oh my gosh, you know, a hundred dollars for a haircut or something like that. It's like, but that's not what you're making. And I think that's the disconnect is when you get really in touch with, but what am I making? Not what am I making before I pay my taxes? Not what am I making before I pay my rent? But like what actually comes into my pocket so that I can feed my family so I can take care of us and build a life that we're comfortable with. That's a different number than the hundred dollar an hour haircut because there are a lot of expenses. So that's why I think you actually gain a lot of confidence when you change your pricing, when you understand the back end of your expenses, because no longer is it I, I'm charging a hundred dollars for a haircut and please pay it. And uh, here's why. And all these yeah. things. It's just like, my haircut is a hundred dollars. Yeah. There's no explanation the, you don't need to explain to them all of your expenses. It's just, you know what it is. Boom. Done. Yeah. And do you think that it has to do with the lack of like financial literacy that has been in the industry for as long as it has that, that people have that disconnect. Cause I've never heard someone say that, but it is a hundred percent. So true that there is a disconnect between that upfront cost and like, and, and I, and I think that way about even like uh, commission salon owners, there's this disconnect between like that whole, like they're getting half of my money or whatever. Like there's this huge disconnect in the industry and like, I don't know. I feel like like when I went independent, I, I felt like I started to really appreciate everywhere I worked, even though it was time for me to move on. Cause I was like, Oh, it's not magic. Right. And I know this isn't everyone's story in the industry, but I definitely can tell you like from my own experience, like we did not grow up well off and definitely struggled a lot with money. And I think that is something that's so enticing about moving into the hair industry and something that attracted me to it when I went to beauty school was the fact that within a year, I could have a skill that I could earn more money than whatever minimum wage job I was, you know, working before. And so when you come from a, maybe a background of where like there was never enough and like you kind of like put those beliefs onto your clients and it's not necessarily fair <laughs> to do mm-hmm. that to your clients. And I think when you can like step out of that mindset of, well, I was making $8 an hour and there's no way that I could afford a hundred dollar haircut because oh my gosh, that's like half of my week's wages. It would, you know, it just blows your mind. 
step back. <laughs> like, are you your target client or are you, you know, pre-certification your target client? Probably not. And it's okay. First of all, that you're not your ideal client. And second of all, um, like you were going back to with that financial literacy, the hard part about financial literacy is that when there is not a lot of money coming in, your hands are almost tied in how much you can do with it. Does that make sense? Like I, I 100% believe in being a good steward with the money that you have, but like, please believe if you make $10,000 a year, that is not a livable income in any place in this country. And so it's like, is your problem overspending? Is your problem that you need marketing and more sales? That's where the financial literacy, I think, comes into play is figuring out what is my problem? Because I might know that I'm not making enough money, but now what's the next step? Totally. That's so honest. And and like, you know, it made me think of a friend of mine that had reached out recently being like, what's this manifesting stuff? Like, it's enough. It's, it's I mean, and, and I'm like, I was listening to an Oprah soul Sunday. I'm like, it's a piece of it, but it's like super condescending from that standpoint of, okay, I'm making $10,000 a year. I'm not only making that because I'm not manifesting. Right. Like let's just call a spade a spade. So I think it's really important what you said. And I think that when I think back to money and like my growing up uh, too, it's like, if you don't see what's possible, if you don't know anyone who like, you know, like is investing money. Like, I mean, you don't know what's possible if you don't see it. And like you said, a lot of us aren't seeing it because when you are living in a way, in a way where you're just barely making ends meet, you're not really able to have that zoom out big picture thinking. And I think that uh, kind of comes back to hairstylists and being so all in on what we're doing. And I've, I found that a lot of times it seems like stylists struggle to zoom out and get a plan for their life or a direction for it that allows them to have choices. And I know that that like for a long time, I didn't know that I could do that either. Yeah. And you think it's like, oh, well, they can do it because they're special. Like there's something about them that's different. But the reality is, is that you can create whatever reality you want to in this world. And it's really cool. So as a CPA, I'm working with clients and like, I get to see all of the back end of everything that's going on with their finances. And it is one of my favorite things when I bring on a new client and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like last year you made like $30,000 and this year you made a hundred. Like it, if you want to transform your business, you can do it in a very short period of time. And I think one, it's fun to know that that's possible. And two, I think kind of like what you coach to is like, it's possible. And also you don't have to double book and you don't have to be working seven days a week, 12 hours a day to do those kinds of things. Like it's all possible. Yeah. And so like, if you've got someone who you're, let's just say like you, you bring them on board, you, you, you do like a once over of their PL statement, like do you sometimes find that they're, they're falling within the, the whatever, like, so like, let's say they've got 40% um, is their overhead expenses and 60% they're, they're, you know, taking as profit and like, it's going well. 
and they're still not making enough? Like, are there people, and I guess like, I feel like it's kind of a rhetorical question, but like they're doing it right, but it's still not working. This is the funny thing about money is that we all have a different number as to like, what's enough. And I think we have to define what that number is in our own lives. And it's perfectly acceptable. If you want to change what that number is for you, that's fine. But you, I think you need to have that number in your mind because I think it helps one control burnout because when you're like, I don't need to squeeze this extra person and I'm, I have enough. It kind of helps remind you that you have enough, but two, I think having that number just helps with so many other things. It helps you with your pricing. It helps you retirement planning. It, it just brings so much, I think, security really to know what's my number. I just had a holy shit, like aha Oprah moment. Cause I'm like, I did not know what, what enough was. And so like a hundred percent, what you're speaking to was like, there, there wasn't, an, there never was going to be enough. Cause I didn't, I hadn't defined what that was. So every time that aggressive client wanted to get squeezed in and I had nine people that day already, no assistant, I'd be like, could I make it work? Yeah. And I always would, but had I known and had that like inner, just like number and, and known like, you know, Lindsay, like, in, cause even now that I'm back in the salon after having a baby, I would always be like, okay, you can see 12 people a week, but if you see 10, you're cool. I love it. And it literally makes everything different. But before when I saw 40 some people a week, or let's say like close to that, I mean, someone calls and is like, oh my gosh, family emergency, blah, blah, blah. And I could do it. And I had no reference of like how many people I needed to be doing. And, and I think a lot of people see a lot of people and go, okay, at least if I see 40 a week, but I think like you're saying reverse engineer it, like, would you be happier seeing 25 or could you do this for 30 years with 25 people and what you're doing, you can do for six, maybe. Yeah. And sometimes the numbers can be so simple in terms of like, okay, I was seeing 40 people last time. Maybe I want to cut that back and I'll do like a 10% price increase. Okay. Well now I can see 36 people a week. That's like one, almost one less person a day that I'm going to see to give me some breathing room. That's a huge quality of life upgrade right there. There you go. And you're making the same amount of money because you already did the price increase. And now it's like, okay, now I get a little bit more space. Maybe now I can have a lunch break. Maybe now I can schedule a little bit of space in so I can use the restroom for once. Who knows? Crazy totally. thoughts. Well, and I love what you said about like, it doesn't take that long to change your business, but at the same time, you can do it so slowly that like, like you said, that little incremental change made the quality of your life go up and it doesn't, it's not the last change you'll make. You'll do another one. And then a year later, and next thing you know, like, I do think there's something also comforting and knowing you don't have to all do it tomorrow because I feel like what empowers you to like be the, someone who only sees four people or two people or whatever you do, it's like, you didn't get there by jumping from 10 to two. And I think that that's exciting. And that's part of what I think is cool about what you do. It's like, we can have a method to our madness. And in four years, you could be there, but we, we just follow the road the way we're going. Yeah, totally. And, and maybe I should clarify when I was like, you can transform your business in six months. I think that's for people who are like at burnout and they're just like, mm. 
I am going to go do a completely different career. Give me a job at Costco because, oh my goodness, I'm going to go stock shelves and do shift work because I can't even handle this anymore, whatever it is. I think if you are in that kind of space, just like recognizing that you have the control to make the changes makes a big difference. Totally. And I love, and like, that's so true about like what you do. It's like, it's hard to have these blanket statements because there's one person where you're like, no, this person's change needs to happen like today and we can do it, which is inspiring and empowering. But then there's someone else that's like, they're like gonna get burned out. But if we ease up on one person a day and then like, you know, like that's what's I think so fun about it. And like, exciting about how there, there are all these little things that like some have big impacts. Some people need to make big changes. And that's why it's like working with someone like you, it's like, no, you will do what you need. And it's not going to be exactly what someone else is doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's like kind of hung up me in the past and, and maybe others too. Like we're looking at everyone else being like, and I remember this when I became a mom, I'm like, where are all the moms that are doing it right doing? And it's like, wait, there's like a million ways to be a mom. And like that person's version of like being a happy mom is different than my version. And I think that for our, our careers, and I think I'm guilty of like, before I kind of got right with myself. And like you said, found that number or found like what success means to me. And I'll ask people that I'm like, do you, what would, what would successful look like to you? And to your point, like when we don't have a clear idea of what would we think will make us happy, it's like, we're literally in a hamster wheel, no one winning. Totally. And I love what you said is it can be individual. I'm, I'm, I love reading. I'm a big reader. And so I'll read all the business books and all this stuff. And here's the thing is everyone's got an opinion, And it might be true for their life or whatever, but I can read a book and like totally disagree with a bunch of advice that they're giving, but I can pull out like one or two nuggets where I'm like, those are good points. Like I can pull that into my life. Or there might be a book where I'm like, this is amazing. I want to implement everything that this book is talking about. And that's the way that you can be in your life, whether it's listening to podcasts or reading books or uh, talking to other stylists, whatever it is, there's... an insane amount of information out there. And it doesn't mean that you have to do everything that everyone says, but you've got to know who you are so that you can decide what's right for your life. And you're the only one who knows the right answer there. Right. Totally. And like figuring out like for someone that's like, wait, I, I need to be behind the chair less for someone else. Like, you know, and that's, what's funny about getting like healthy in your business is like, you know, like, I, I love being behind the chair more than ever. You know what I mean? Like I got it all kind of buttoned up and tightened up. And now it's like, wait, I'm behind the chair 22 hours a week. And I love it. Like, I love it. And like, even this coming year, like, you know, we're talking about planning and stuff. It's like, I'm booking in for one more person a week. Like, I don't need to do that, but I'm going to do it because I want to. And when I, when I, when I don't want to, I won't. And it's just cool to have those choices and to be like that zoned in on like, oh, wow. Like you're like, okay, I was doing 20 hours. I'm going to do 22. And like, I, I, and like, I am happiest doing it less than I used to do it, but I want to keep doing it. And I think that like, if we look around and it's like, you know, I was, you know, you know, you see people doing education it's like, well, like everyone gets an education and then they like quit doing hair. And it's like, not everyone, you know, like we see what we want to see, you know? And I, it's kind of like when you say like, you see it, like someone's like, Oh God, I only see red cars. It's like, 
you know, I lost my dog. It's like, is everyone losing their dog? It's like, no, that's what my eye is seeing. And so I think that that's really good to know about our careers and like finances. Cause it's like, Oh wait, like I'm I have my gratuity bundled in. I really like that, but I don't think everyone needs to do that. It just really works for me. Yeah. And that's what's so fun. It's, uh, it's so funny. You mentioned the gratuity thing. Cause I did a post on Instagram once and I think like people really took it the wrong way. And people were like, I would never go gratuity free. And I was like, I wasn't telling everybody to go gratuity free. Also, I kind of caught myself in saying gratuity free because when I, when I did it, I was like, okay, no, I it's flat rate. Like it's all inclusive. Like I'm trying to like say words differently. Cause I'm like, oh wow. I've got a couple of people in like, Lindsay, your prices are going, you're doing a 25% addition. So you're not going gratuity free. I'm like, you know what? You live and you fucking learn. I could have worded that differently, but you're right. People get really hopped up on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, it's fun to know that if doing gratuity with your clients, like every time you're at the checkout and it makes you feel uncomfortable and like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder how much they're going to tip me. Oh, I, I really need that tip. Like I've got, you know, a transmission I need to replace in my car, like whatever it is when you're kind of like on that side of it and feeling uncomfortable, like maybe that's a good sign that gratuity added on top essentially is, is maybe just a better thing and all included in the price. That way you don't have that emotional response five times a day when you're checking people out. But for other people, it's like, Hey, it's a gift. And whether they give it to me or not, I'm, I'm cool. Totally. And if you can be unattached to it, then that's great too. And I think it's just, just depends on who you are and how that feels for you. Totally. And like, I find even having just credit cards on file, like I don't even have people get cards out anymore. So like literally like for me, it's kind of like ease of experience. Like when I go to get my hair done and the person like, like takes me to the counter or whatever. And like, I, it's happened recently where I'm like, Oh God, it's 1985. I have to add a tip in. Like, I don't know, I guess it just feels very modern to me, but that's not saying everyone should do what I'm doing. It's just like, it's very much the right thing for me. And I think it's funny what you were saying about like social media. It's like, we talked earlier in the year and like I had done a expense breakdown for um, independent stylists and, you know, it lost context when it was shared. And there were a lot of salon owners that were really um, triggered by it. And I, I found myself being very compassionate towards them because I was like, wow, this is really striking a chord. And I, I would be curious to like hear from you, like what you found people that are having a hard time during the pandemic. Like, have you found that there has been like a, I feel like in my opinion, and then you tell me the real story I feel like there's been this slow kind of drip kind of leak that a lot of salons have had. And then the pandemic happened and it's like that leak turned into a full blown pipe burst. Yeah. It's like that leak was actually gasoline and fire got lit on it and we didn't realize. And now everything's like a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be an accurate description of everything that's happened with the pandemic and what's interesting to me is we're about a year out from the last shutdown nationally that has happened with any, any salon in this country. And the, I guess you could call it trauma of having been shut down or in certain places shut down multiple times 
I think still kind of people are holding that and feeling the pain of that happening and the uncertainty of, or maybe it's the lack of control when it did happen. It's just like, I got shut down and there's really feels like nothing that I can do about it. And so that does feel really frustrating. What I have found actually really interesting as someone kind of behind the scenes and seeing numbers is people didn't lose as much money as you would have thought they would have during the pandemic. Um, Some of that came because of government grants that came through and funded in the end. And what was, I, I think what happened is people went a couple months without pay and then they were able to go back to work and they got funding. So they kind of like got reimbursed after the fact, Mm -hmm. but there were, I really expected as a, as a CPA firm who almost exclusively serves the beauty industry, I was kind of expecting as we were doing the 2020 tax returns to see some like major hits on people's returns. California aside, because that was its whole other own thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't really see hits across the country. And, and part of that, like, I don't want to be like totally oblivious. Part of that's because some people have the privilege of having a strong enough business that they can work with a CPA. Um, So there, that is certainly a piece of it, but the, the fear that being shut down originally caused people, I think is still in some ways like living with us, even though the numbers that I was looking at for 2020 for a vast majority of people in the U.S. actually didn't show any loss at all. That's fascinating. And it just speaks, like, as you're talking, like unprocessed trauma. So people have like this unprocessed trauma, which is making them become kind of triggered by your gratuity post and triggered by my post. And I love this thing I saw recently that was like, not everything that's written on the internet applies to you. I just think someone needs to hear that. And it's like, wow, like, okay, so that that is so real and honest and valid that like, it was scary. We had no control. The hairstyles were getting hit with the with the election and then then all of the the racial injustices and all this stuff. And it's like, no one got a minute and then their livelihood got taken away. And then like, where is it? Like if they don't already, you know, like kind of like if they don't have a CPA or they, they don't have a therapist. Cause that's another thing that like not everyone can have. It's like, well, that's just going to, you're going to, you know, it's like that if you don't, you know, deal with the things that hurt, you, you're going to get blood on everyone. Um, and that's a little bit maybe of what we're seeing. I think I've also found it interesting as well. I think part of the reason why is because people went back to work and they worked like they've never worked before and Mm -hmm. they were staying later and getting more clients. And and part of that was because like, oh my gosh, I have extension clients and they need their hair moved up ASAP because we're going to have damage if we don't like just, you know, trying to take care of people or just you know, everyone that's gray and doesn't want to be anymore. And, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone was highly pressuring you guys to get them in as soon as doors reopen. So I think part of it was working more hours for sure to make up for lost time. But the other side of it is that the industry is seeing a demand that it hasn't historically. And wow, (laughs) it is, it is an opportunity for sure right now to take advantage of that. 
Yeah. Just like get your systems in place and how you want to do things. And when you were talking before, I'm like, oh, I'm like the word that came to mind was like boundaries. It's like you went from not having the ability to work to then when you got to work, like, you know, so many people enjoy what they do that, you know, you can do it to exhaustion and not enjoy it anymore. And I think it comes back to boundaries and being like, yeah, I can get that last person in, but I have this system set up to only see this many people because it allows me to protect myself from myself. Well, and what's so fascinating is that there were people who I think would say they had fantastic boundaries before the pandemic. And then they came back and they all just kind of slipped away. And it's so hard after you haven't been enforcing boundaries then to restart that. And so I think a lot of people can probably feel that and go like, yeah, I had them and then I stopped and now I, I just know I need to start and that's what needs to happen. Yeah, totally. And like, I'm kind of lucky because I went after the shutdown back to work pregnant during the middle of like the beginning of COVID. So like I had a forced boundary there. It's like some people wouldn't even be working if you were me. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it three days. I'm going to see fewer people. And it was like this forced boundary that like, I then kept forever. Like, I'm like, Oh God, this feels too good. I'm never going to take this boundary thing off. And, but you're right. Like a lot of people had them and then, you know, they didn't go back to work being like, Oh my gosh, like what about babies and COVID? And like, I just felt kind of like I had this buffer and like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's so funny. This is kind of a side tangent, but there are so many people who are like, I can't have a baby. I'm too busy. And <sighs> I know I have felt that way in my life, but it's not just babies. It's, I can't blank, like you name your blank, whatever that is. But it's like, when you add that thing to your life, it actually just like forces you to be more creative about how you go about things. And it's like, oh, this thing that I thought I couldn't do because I didn't have room for it actually helps me to have like better room for everything else. No, totally. That's why my mom always says, find someone who's busy. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, like, like who here has the most kids? All right. They'll probably be able to help me. Like, it's like, because when you have more going on, you prioritize things. And like, for me, like I, my career was such a big priority to me that I found a way for it to fit in to my life. And I, like you said, I got creative with it, but I also, feel like it just allows everything to have a more solid foundation. Cause you're like, Oh, this lives here and this lives here. And, um, that's so cool. Yeah. So if there's one tip you'd like to leave stylists with that are saying like, Oh yeah, I had the boundaries. I lost them. Thanks for articulating that for me. Like, I didn't realize that's what was happening. I feel like that's what you've done today is connect the dots on like, Oh, like maybe people are feeling like they understand themselves a little bit better after like, you taking us through like the money journey, um, through COVID, but what is one thing that you think, like, if someone already is starting to look at their numbers, um, one thing they can be doing that's just beside, and maybe it's just to call you, but, um, to get, get the ball rolling in a more like sustainable direction in 2022. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that you could do is to, be honest with yourself about what your capabilities are. And I don't just mean like, like an intellectual capability, but I also mean like time capability and like what you want to prioritize because um, like I said, at the beginning of this, the first thing you have to do to make a change in your business is understand the numbers behind what's going on. 
Do you have an hour every week that you could set aside time to gather that information for yourself and get it all done? And honestly, once you have a system in place, it probably wouldn't even take you an hour. It might be 15 minutes, half hour if you're an independent. But do you have that space in your life to make that happen? And if you do, then make the commitment to yourself that, yes, I'm going to go do my bookkeeping every week. I'm going to get those numbers in so that I can make that happen. But if you genuinely don't have that space or you don't want to create that space, then also be honest with yourself about that and say, I don't have a space in my life for this. I'm going to go outsource it to someone else who can. But either way, it's got to be done. And as a business owner, it's it's not a matter of if it's going to be done because you have to do your taxes. <laughs> so it's either going to get done in a timely way that is going to help you and empower you throughout the year to make good decisions or it's going to happen in a really sloppy, fast way right before you file your taxes in a way that's going to make you feel stressed and uncomfortable and just telling yourself, I'm going to do this different next year. Next year will be different. So make this year different. Yeah, that's a kiss of death. Well, where can people find you? Because I know there's a lot of people in that second category and I want them to be able to reach out to you. Yeah, for sure. So my Instagram is at small business CPA. It's the best way to reach out lots of free content and feel free to shoot me a DM. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. It's been super insightful. Hey guys, I have a favor. If you enjoy She Makes Waves, the podcast, or you loved this episode in particular, can you head over to iTunes and rate and review the podcast so that we can get it in the ears of more people that need the information that we're sharing? It would mean the world to me. It empowers me to keep going and every message I get from you guys means the world to me. Have a wave-making day and I'll see you next week.